When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, it's Dave here and I'm with my wife, Kathy. Hello. And we're with our son, Oscar. Oscar's trying to grab the mic. Playing with the mic. He's never been so up close and personal with the podcast before. And we're speaking to you live from the Eurostar in a very special, exciting, I'm moving away from Oscar, thrilling episode of the cinema bonus episode because we love our fans so much, but mainly because we wanted to rewatch Mission Impossible 1. And it's only about right we'd record the review on the Eurostar. It was either this or recording it uh, inside CIA headquarters in Langley. <laughs> and this was harder to get, actually. Prague. Really difficult to get tickets for this. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. many people want to <laughs> review Mission Impossible on the Eurostar. Um, with a squirming child. Script. Right, okay, so... Okay, we can't really talk right now yeah. because he's we'll literally later. pulling the... Yeah. Uh, okay. So we'll talk, talk soon. Going to talk Mission Impossible. <laughs> something that's personally important to him and you squeeze we're back we're not on the Eurostar anymore our gimmick is over uh, turns out the Eurostar is really quick when you're going from London to Lille we're so still we, on a train yeah we're on a different train internal we're on the TGV and um, so we're doing just the world's most awkward podcast basically for this trip specifically after going through loads of airport trips with our big boogie and it being a complete nightmare got this awesome buggy that basically folds up into like a shoulder bag that you can put this in this new oh, upper baby travel thing it's upper really baby, good upper uh, baby menu if anyone's interested and you basically wear it as a shoulder bag and you can put it above you on a train or plane so we were like yes we'll have the buggy above us we'll be sitting Oscar will be napping quietly on our laps not happening he'll only sleep in the buggy so we're kind of in the carriageway of a French train that's really narrow so anyway excuse us if you um, hear us moving around a bit so we're here to review Mission Impossible 1 and this is a really interesting movie for loads of reasons A because it's awesome we obviously love it it's the start of the franchise but I've been doing some uh, research on the production Dave do you want to hear it? <laughs> yes yeah? I'd love to hear it um, so <laughs> this is so formal <laughs> do you know how it came about and whose idea yeah, was come in there. to make this movie? Oh. 
Sorry, we're standing in a corridor, yeah. so we're going to have to occasionally move to allow people <laughs> yeah, that's our to get on. And, this is so this is so weird. We look like freaks. Um, so, do you know like who came up with the idea for this movie? Who produced it and all that? The idea. Well, it was a TV show. Well, well, Mission what's Impossible. Is basically that was the idea. In the early nineties, Tom Cruise was launching his own production company. Yeah. And uh, I think it's called Cruise Wagner, and he wanted. Um, like a hit because up until then if you think about it he Tom wanted Cruise, a hit did he Tom Cruise wasn't actually an action star Tom Cruise was a serious actor yeah you know, he was Oscar in, he was in um, well he was a real courtroom drama guy wasn't he well, born on the 4th like, of July born on the 4th of July he was in a lot of like, Rain Men. Men A Few Good Men and A Few Good Men might have been after this Rain Man um, Rain Man uh, Re- Rain Men was the sequel and he had turned down he actually turned down the speaking of sequels he turned down the sequel to Top Gun because he was, wasn't interested in that sort of thing And what? <laughs> but he, now he is because well, yeah. they're doing that well, I'm, I'm on the explanation here so, but he knew he needed a hit for this new production company, right? Something really bankable. So he was looking around him and saw the success of other action movies, but he figured he's not the macho guy. Like, you know, what would have been huge at the, that time was like Arnold Schwarzenegger as Sebastian yeah. Stallone. Um, so he actually pitched the idea of Mission Impossible. So like, it's a really cool fr- a really cool plot based on the TV show, but not all macho. With, you know, it's got the gadgetry and things. And it was his idea, apparently, to... Um, Create the original. The original character was um. Ethan Hunt. No, no, Jim Phelps. Okay, Jim Phelps was in the original TV Jim, show. Yeah, that's what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah. Jim Phelps was the original protagonist, so yeah. it was Tom Cruise's idea to. Spoiler, to spoiler alert, alert! Make him a baddie. Make him. Which Jim is a Phelps great a move. It's a great move, and apparently one of the original cast members got up and left the cinema in complete anger when they saw that. We talked about that. So for, if anyone's interested, I've, I've plugged this already, but uh, I had a f- really fun chat with the, the, the two hosts of Torn Stubbs, the Torn Stubbs podcast, about all five Mission Impossible movies, and uh, we, we did cover that. But uh, yeah, it's just it's, so interesting. It's worth a listen. And, um, oh, and also, sorry, we should just say, we've also seen Mission Impossible Fallout. Go listen to Go our listen review to that. of we that if you it. haven't already. Funny, we watched this before Fallout, but we're recording the review after anyway. This is our life. Nobody and cares. Nobody cares. And uh, yeah, and Tom Cruise bought the movie in because he produced it under budget and... Uh, before it was due to be finished so That's he wanted to be an action hero is that what you're saying no he wanted to create a huge hit for his movie studio oh right okay. yeah and he very much succeeded and so Fallout which we have seen already is now his second most successful movie after War of the Worlds like it's huge really it's phenomenally successful yeah. do you know it deserves it and do you know what it's funny that you and they said, get more critically acclaimed with every movie which is very unusual it's funny that you said um, about him not being your typical action hero in the mid 90s and certainly nobody would have thought of him as that at the beginning but um, now I'm like it's, I'm hard pressed to think of a better action hero I think John Wick uh, Keanu Reeves is kind of close but Keanu Reeves is missing the charisma that the movie's doing a lot of the legwork there yeah and John Wick's more um, like bullets over brains whereas this yeah. movie's like really you know there's a lot going on there's a lot of action and as we discussed in our Fallout review you know he's not a typical looking action guy either but anyway we need to get into the review of this movie so we watched this last week and we had so much fun watching it it's so different to the to the other ones isn't it you're it's watching it and then going straight into the sixth one I mean it's not really an action movie it's not like visually as well like opening scene it's like this is so 90s right like it's just of a time and place which I really enjoy but it kind of has a 70s vibe thanks to Brian De Palma, I yeah it does yeah. have a bit of 70s vibe it doesn't like it's it, it, it had the only thing that dates it is the 90s technology and the fashion and a bit of the fashion yeah like the rest of it the way it's shot the way it looks it's all like um, 
noir 70s vibes for sure it's really classy like it's a classy movie and like straight in right one of my favourite things is that like straight into the um, it's kind of an opening scene of intrigue and then it's just um, Tom Cruise at a point in this movie it's just Tom Cruise in disguise that's what the masks were whereas now the masks are just a different actor well hang on it's funny though because at the end of this movie he's wearing a Jim Phelps mask so they have the mask technology at the end he does Jim yeah he does so, John Boyd so it's not it's not that they only have the technology for fake moustaches and rubber noses <laughs> because they don't They've got, yeah. he does a full Jim Phelps mask at the end and he uh, and at the TV show they were wearing full masks yeah like you were just you just look like a different person like totally inconceivable it was probably just Tom Cruise having more fun playing different characters than the mask technology not being well that's there. it what you're alluding to is the fact that Tom Cruise is first of all playing an older version of Tom Cruise who's just yeah. someone who looks like him then uh, cut to the the actual the main sort of heist at the, at the party in Prague and they're giving Tom his uh, Ethan his mission and he's like you'll be playing this senator who we see on the background this American senator who's showing up to the party and just coincidentally happens to just be Tom just, Cruise just Tom Cruise yeah with prosthetics on but we're probably getting ahead of ourselves we kind of need to backtrack a bit and chat about we're getting ahead of ourselves so this is the very beginning of the movie this is the very beginning of the movie but what's so fun about this movie at the start is what and what I really like about it is that actually you know for a while Jim Phelps is the star like he's the boss and Tom Cruise is very much a part of a team and you know they're getting their orders from John Voight aka Jim Phelps and they are like slagging him off because he gets to stay in a fancy hotel while they're all slumming it like it feels like because obviously most movies you see with Tom Cruise now it's it's immediately that Tom Cruise is the star and he's the boss so it's well, funny to look well he's the manifestation back. of destiny as yeah. Alec Baldwin said um, he's a very different Ethan Hunt now yeah. for sure like he's more of a boy than, yeah. a, than a man he's not a leading he's not a leader yeah, really it's a good origin story he's really. having fun with it yeah. you know he's like he I forgot he kind of fancies the boss's wife he jokes around well actually funnily enough on that that feels like a totally dropped subplot the um, the relationship with him and, and, the, and uh, Jim Phelps' wife who disgusting me is about 30 years younger than him than Jim Phelps yeah uh, John Voight but the, the there's sort of there's a flirtation there there's chemistry for sure but uh, and there's a sort of an implied sex scene, but the trailer had a had an actual sex scene um, that was cut for for whatever reason. I don't know. Did oh, you, so the trailer had a sex scene of them. Yeah, I remember this vividly. Like because um, you were a teenage boy at the time. The, well, whatever. Like, you remember uh, a sex scene from a trailer vividly, right? That's well, it wasn't full on. There was just like passionate kissing. Okay, is what. But and like you were into it. Mad, the mad kind of kissing where you just push. They're pushing each other up against walls and all that kind of stuff. Okay. Right? Um, so that that's in the trailer and it's worth having a look at the the trailer which also finishes with that great line um, from uh, Kittinger or whatever the, the the IMF guy is called which was you find something that he loves and you squeeze oh you squeeze he was amazing <laughs> he's outstanding so I know him actually as the, um, the dad from Revenge which is a show I really enjoyed like the first couple of seasons of and then went downhill as most shows do but he's amazing in this he's such a cool actor and then kind of the overall plot I think it's a really good one like it's quite shocking and again this this is a fully spoiler bonus episode right spoilers for everything I love that at the start Ethan has this lovely team unit and they even kind of have this father figure in, in John Voight which is strange because he's married to one of the team because they're all much younger than him and then they go on like, straight into the mission which is a really fun one in the embassy and you've got the mask and you've good. got um, Emilio Estevez who I'd forgotten was in this movie um, you know he's the kind of techie guy so he's the equivalent of um, Benji now and 
you know, they've got every classic element of a Mission Impossible movie that you'd want all in this scene and it's so fun and then it just all unravels really quickly and you really feel from Ethan's point of view like the sheer panic because obviously the more Mission Impossible movies you watch the more you realise that pretty much he goes rogue in every movie from the IMF well, but in he, this one it feels go, really shocking that that's happening him he goes rogue or they they're hunting him they're hunting because him because yeah. he's been framed like how do how does why is he still working for this organization? Yeah, why? And it's so elaborate. So basically, because they think there's a mole, which we learn there is, um, because they think there's a mole, they bring in another team and they work to entirely flush out this team. Like, it seems like a really expensive mole hunt. This they make everyone's murdered. was a mole hunt. Yeah, like, is it worth losing all these good agents just to flush it out? Like, surely you should have just done some interrogation back in the States instead of blowing up this whole thing. Which is your favourite moment when Tom Cruise shouts, they're all dead? he does it several times uh, I liked it. when he did it in the phone box he does it immediately in the phone box He's, they're dead they're all dead actually that's in my notes I've just written that my team is dead in capital letters I felt like this was I mean I really like Tom Cruise as an actor first of all and as an action hero but he definitely uh, was sort of ch- chomping the, every bit of the scenery in the phone box and then later remember this is back when he was like I'm an actor but it was like but it's now too it's much. Like, I'm an actor. It's it's veering on Al Pacino shouting, uh, and then later when maybe uh, that's because they were harking back to the seventies in every way. Maybe then then the woman shows up and uh, and he shouts it at her as well. They're all dead. <laughs> and he's watching. I'm shouting. He's watching John Voice die through these like techie glasses, which I just really enjoyed all that stuff and him running to the bridge because obviously Tom Cruise running is a complete staple of these movies. Like that whole mission falling out was awesome. I really enjoyed all of that. The gadgets are great. The yeah. the chewing gum, the red light, green light, and the great line from Emilio Estevez: "Hasta lasagna, don't get any onya." <laughs> oh, we've moved again. Um, we look so weird to all these um, French people on the train. Yeah, there's just it's so much of it is so 90s and naff, and like I mean they've come a long way from this. But then basically, it's basically then Tom Cruise trying to prove his innocence right to the IMF because they've decided he's the mole and he has that amazing scene where he meets with the um, the head of the IMF aka the dad from Revenge and they're in the restaurant together and this is like one of the big scenes from this movie right and they're in the restaurant and Tom Cruise clocks all the people around him just so the waiter good. two o'clock and he identifies everyone who was at the party who's now in this restaurant who's watching him it's a classic Jason Bourne moment yeah it's really it's very good. very good it's and, always uh, enjoyable and then we had you know the earlier setup of when he was given by Emilio Estevez rest his soul who'd had a terrible death yeah it was a really disgusting graphic. death um, and he gets the chewing gum and he what throws it at the aquarium thing because it's like the nightclub's called aquarium <laughs> but it's just this really shit restaurant and then the whole aqu- aquarium explodes and it has way more water than it should have yeah, it's like I mean, one fish tank and then like a, the, the Atlantic Ocean comes yeah, out of it. Yeah, it's a insane. And he kind of jumps out of the water with it um, and he goes through the glass and he escapes. But then he escapes to the hideaway and this is what I don't understand because they have an apartment, right? I can't remember what city they're in at this point. Prague. Prague. They've got an apartment in Prague that no one knows where it is. Like the IMF don't go back and find him there. Yeah, why would he go to the one place where they could probably know where he is? Yeah. I mean... Yeah, it's a bit, look, we're getting a bit nippy. Yeah, and then it becomes really fun because we get to basically Tom Cruise figuring out um, all the Job stuff, you know, the clues and the Bible and 
all the emails he starts sending. That's proper to spy stuff. Yeah, proper spy stuff. I Except really he, enjoy that's that. not how emails work. No. I think he was using a Usenet forum or something. It was using some sort of forum. I was so 90s. I just remembered how much I used to love forums. That's a, it was a Usenet group, which yeah. I mean, I think a Bible maybe, group. maybe some of our older listeners will know what that was, but I'm a little, I'm a little younger for that. Um, the the interesting thing is that this movie has been around for 22 years. This franchise has been around for 22 years. Yeah, I'm still doing it. Yeah, like that's that's absolutely mental. But this when is you some see of the, the technology's progressed. There's more there's more spy stuff in this movie than in the newest for sure. The newest isn't all that research and like back and forth of like tedious work, which is no. mainly what spy work would be actually. Like a lot of admin. Like he's really <laughs> you he's like going the admin, on, he's like going on every admin. Bible forum on the internet and writing the same message over and over again, which I still oh, yeah. don't understand what he was doing or why he was emailing. He wrote anyone. it in every single language. Yeah, it was yeah. so it was so weird. And like I still look, I've seen this movie loads of times now, and I just still couldn't follow it. But I also didn't care. Actually, on that point, okay, so I would like to bring up that you say you've seen this movie loads of times, but you seem to have a goldfish memory when it comes to any movie. Because you watching you watch this movie, yeah, I couldn't remember any. Was like watching someone experience it for the first time. But not only that, because you were so convinced that you knew the answer <laughs> at every step of the turn, a step of the way, even though it was locked in your memory. But every time something happened, you would you would go, oh, I actually wrote down some of them. Okay, so it's, here's um. Here's some of Kathy's like exclamations throughout uh, the movie. And firstly, anytime anyone new came on screen, she would turn to me and go, "Oh yeah, he's the bad." <laughs> I knew that his. I team, remember now. I knew somebody that he was the baddie, baddie, but I just couldn't quite remember who it was. Then anytime, uh, yeah, when when Kittinger came on screen, you said, "Oh no, no, he, no, I remember now. He's the baddie." <laughs> was he the dad from her friend? Yeah, and then then uh, <laughs> you said when he was looking for, <laughs> when he's doing all the emails and he's looking for Max, and Max is. Identity is a bit of a mystery. You go, you went. Oh, no, no, I remember now. I know who Max is. It's the hot wife. <laughs> Max is the hot wife. Uh, but then five minutes after that, no, 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 I remember now. It's Kristen Scott Thomas. It's Max. She's not. She was. She wasn't really stabbed. She's just pretending. So basically, while I'm making notes of the movie, you're just making notes of me. I just wrote down everything you said. It was brilliant. I then just, every la- time someone rips a mask off in this franchise, in every movie, I'm in complete shock. I never see it coming. I don't know why. Like I should expect it by now. I just <laughs> never see it coming. I love it though. Every time I watch one of these movies, I'm just so happy. But like this one is more spyish and and f- more fun because like he's really been betrayed at this point in this movie it's, it's probably the worst betrayal of somebody to do something to him and like so many of his friends die so there's really high stakes in this yes. movie personal stakes which you were talking about in the later movies that you feel like maybe they're, the personal stakes aren't as high Completely. and you know he really needs to, to clear his own name and then because the IMF are hunting him down this is the bit that made me laugh out loud so they apparently his mother and uncle live on a farm somewhere in the States and in France on French TV is it France or was it Prague? Somewhere in Europe, they have on the news, or was it in London, that that a you woman. You can't even remember the movie. I can't remember the location. <laughs> too many locations. It. You've already forgotten your goldfish memories. Because we've just watched the other one as well, and they're all kind of in the same location. Sky News. Yes, yeah, Sky What's News are talking about a woman in, like, say, Iowa, for example. I don't know where he's from, who was like. I don't know, doing something on a farm. Arrested for marijuana. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, but that would not make international news. <laughs> no. Like, that would barely make local state news in the States. Right? So that made me laugh. Age. I really, yeah. really enjoy that. Um, and I thought, wow, the IMF are going to really dodgy links here at this point. Come on, let, can They're we not re- very honourable. Let's, let's move on, because it's so bloody hot. In it is so hot. There's no aircon in the corridor. Um, but this way, or the... Oh. Six, 16. Um, well, oh, sorry. Oh, this is okay. No, no, it's okay. No, it's only 10 minutes. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> so Do you want to go here? Uh, I'll go probably that way. 
Uh, okay. Um, we need to get to the Eurostar bit, which is the whole point of the, us doing this review. No, you can right? skip over the Langley bit. All right, go to Langley. The, the best, uh, one of the best heists in cinema history. Oh yeah. Tom oh my Cruise god, I didn't mean. From a, I really didn't mean to skip over that. That is the best, and it's so tense. No matter how many times you see it, it's fun. The it's setup fun. is fun. You got and the team working together. Well, you've got all the tension and obviously intensely high action stakes in the new one. You don't have a scene like that, which is just. The whole setup, how they get in, the dressed as the firefighters, they all get through the setup with where the French woman is like putting the eye drops in the guy's coffee. You've got everything going for it. Sorry. Then you've got, um, you know, it's that really lovely style they do Mission Impossible where they kind of talk you through how they're going to do it, like almost while they're doing it. Actually, that's another, that's another thing what? you said when. Uh, when she squirts the thing in his coffee, you go, oh, I remember this now. They give him laxatives. <laughs> and then, then when the, yes, my other favourite thing so you said clever. was, well, <laughs> yeah, oh, I figured it out. They give him laxatives. <laughs> and then the other thing you said, when, uh, when, when, when they were explaining all the scans that the, the analyst has to go through, you know, it's like, a, and he's got to go a voice retinal scan. And yeah. He's got to get an eye Pass scan. Code. And then he just password, and then he meets a receptionist. You ex- thought it was hilarious to exclaim, they should give him a rectal scan. <laughs> and you think it's funny even now? <laughs> yeah, it is funny. Yeah, yeah. Well, because like, like, really no one could fake that for you. Um, no one so could fake a rectum. Is that what you're saying? It would be unlikely that someone would, would be able to get through that one for him. You that's, that's the actual, that's the pinnacle of security for you, is someone's rectum. <laughs> Untraceable, <laughs> unfakeable. <laughs> you I can't believe you brought that up that I said that, that's so embarrassing. Maybe in the new Mission Impossible, instead of wearing masks, they'll have cracked Dave, rectum stop it. Um, and they'll have uh, That's disgusting. Okay, stop. Just because we're outside a toilet <laughs> in a French <laughs> corridor. You're the one who brought this up. Who's bringing it up? Um, so yeah, kind of. I think we should talk through that scene. Everyone knows the iconic image of Tom Cruise like hanging from the ceiling on the rope, but I'd forgotten all the kind of minute details of it. So the French well, guy the up in the um, up John in the rafters, Reno's up in a raft, John Reno, holding, holding the rope. Body, holding the Why rope. is he holding the rope? Why didn't they just, couldn't they just have attached it to? to yeah, I was wondering like that. But they needed someone to pull it. I think like to pull it back up yeah, again. It's just like automated. And that whole that technology is so exists. Good. Window cleaners use it. Yeah, true. Like he's literally he's hanging down. He's like copying all the data. Meanwhile, we're continually cutting back to the guy um, who's kind of in and out of the bathroom, vomiting. Like it's such low stakes, and that's what I really enjoyed about it. Like, will I bring the waste pa- paper basket into vomit? Will I go back to the toilet again? It's just an excellent, superb action scene, and it's that the suspense is done very well because yeah. they they've shown us where all the players are. We know that. All the uh, systems he has to go through, uh, except a rectal scan, to get into the <laughs> to get into the thing. So we know how close he is. There's also the added element of the, uh, the the beads of sweat that will trigger the alarm if they hit the floor. Yeah. If you're slightly too loud, it's going to trigger the alarm. Yeah. So they're all whispering. So Ving Rhames has, of course, been recruited at this point and is there on the laptop, which I love that he became such a staple of this franchise. It's funny. It's funny that he, only he remained actually from from the beginning. Well, the rest of them were all killed, right? Or baddies. Or baddies. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So this whole scene is just like I think if you just watch this scene in isolation at any point and just really enjoy it because it's so self-contained and it is all set up within the scene, which is really unusual. Like you don't need to know anything outside of it. It's great. Yeah. It's a great heist. The and the knife, the uh, knife dropping at the, at the end. Oh my it's god! It lands on the table. Right such as a good they get thing. And, and what about when the guy comes in and Ethan's just on the ceiling, just in there just which actually it. now that I think yeah. about it later on Spider-Man kind of copied 
Remember that? You can't say that Spider-Man copied hanging from a ceiling. Like, well, Spider-Man invented that. Now that I think about it, no, that there was a scene in one of the first Spider-Man movies, you'd know better than me, where Tobey Maguire's just, like, hanging on a ceiling when James Franco's walking around his house looking for him. Do you remember that? You really don't remember any movies you've already or, seen. Okay. <laughs> and fine, ignore that. Um, so that whole scene is amazing. And then right at the end, they all just get to walk out of the building again, dressed as the firefighters. It's so satisfying. It's brilliant. Yeah, yeah it's, it's brilliant. just like, it's... There's there's a real satisfaction that comes with watching a completed heist. Yeah. And, like, and what's so cool about it is if you think about that, that would have been very cheap to film. Like, as much as I enjoy, yeah. and I really, really, really enjoy all the um, stunts in the new movie, I mean, I gushed about when I review, but this was just as enjoyable and was probably shot in a room over a couple of days with like a few people. Well, the scope and the scale of it is so different to what we've been getting in the last few movies. Yeah. With Tom Cruise literally hanging off the side of a building. Breaking his ankle. Helicopter. Like, and this is why he obviously brought it in under time and under budget. Like, it's a very smart move to be doing this kind of action, especially in that era of all the big budget, you know, true lies and all those kind yeah, of movies that would have been out It's only it. really one location with a few peripherals. Yeah. Like, it's smart and it's efficient. Um, sorry, do you want to go there? <laughs> Mercy. Um, so so awkward getting thrown off. Go on, let's talk on. about the Eurostar. Are we going to talk about the Eurostar? So right, we were just on the Eurostar. That's the whole point of doing this. The whole point of doing this. We're now on a TGV in a sweaty corridor. Sweaty corridor, disgusting. Dying. Dave's rocking a buggy. It's um, thirty-five, it's 35 degrees. degrees. So my favorite part about this right is actually the first time I ever got a Eurostar. Weirdly, it was around the time the last Mission Impossible came out. So we rewatched them all last Rogue time as well. Rogue Nation. So we. Whenever a new one comes out, we go back and rewatch them all. Whenever um, any of them come out, we get on the Eurostar instantly. <laughs> and I had never been on the Eurostar before, and neither had my mom, right? And she was visiting us, and we all watched the first Mission Impossible. And then the next day, mom and I were getting on the Eurostar to go visit my sister in France, and mom and I were so excited because the Eurostar is so gorgeous in this movie, right? The Eurostar is so classy. Evan has their own little tables. Um, next day, me and mom get on the Eurostar, we're like, oh. Right. This is not at all what it looks like. It's just like a normal train. And then today, Dave and I, we're not sponsored by Eurostar. We've observed the same phenomenon. I really don't think that the Eurostar that we've experienced is the same as the Eurostar that Ethan Hunt experienced in this movie. Um, and I just love all the stuff set in the Eurostar. So like Vanessa Redgrave, who we haven't mentioned, is Max. She's fantastic. She's oh, so she's enjoyable. So yeah. Like she's just really relishing the role and just having fun with it. She so is just good. like I love her like uh, sort of flirtatious yeah. uh, nature. I wanted them to get together. Never mind him and the John Boyd's wife. Um, and I just love all the the setup where they've actually genuinely stole her the necklace, which I did think a lot. I don't know that they really needed to give her the necklace. Like, if I was the IMF, I would not be praising Ewan at the end for or Ethan at the end for genuinely stealing yeah, she, a necklace and giving to, it. It had to be authentic. Yeah, but they like it's just. A, at that point they already had her on the train like it didn't really need to be authentic like they had her it was fine I know he was trying to jaw no, but the, she the would, yeah but she was only she was only going to give them uh, Joe once she had verified the knock I know it's just I felt like they could have been a bit smarter about it and then I love all the stuff where Ving Graham's is sitting opposite her and he's got like the phone aimed at her to block the signal yeah. and then uh he goes to the bathroom and someone follows him with his phone like monsieur you forgot your phone he's like oh great thanks a lot um and then it just becomes a complete this is this is when it's most similar to the new movies like the actual end like huge set piece it's just so good it's great the effects are 
uh, pretty good. good they hold up. I must I say, thought. the green screen on, on top of the train, I presume it's a green screen that they did on top of the train. No, I think they it's really filmed a helicopter in the tunnel with Eurostar. <laughs> <laughs> no, with the, the GoPro. Really impressive when, you, when uh, Tom Cruise and John Boyd first go to the roof of the train. It's kind of seamless green screen. It's, it's amazing. Best, it's better I'd than say they did it in some sort of wind nowadays. tunnel and then they have that behind them. Like they would have done as much real as they could have. It's very yeah, convincing. It looks, yeah, um, it looks really good. There's and only but one before, moment where you can see a toy helicopter. Uh, yeah, the toy helicopter. But we, before that, I really enjoyed the scene in the luggage carriage where John Voight... If we're Tom again I was completely shocked by this where Tom Cruise is dressed as John Voight and he yeah. manages to get the wife to admit that she's in on it and he's just so sad because obviously we're to infer that he loves her albeit we've not really seen it and so interestingly this must be before they've invented the voice replication technology because he doesn't he's completely he doesn't silent talk. Yeah. yeah he's completely silent and he doesn't pull anything off his throat yeah um, and then he finds out she was in on it and then John Voight comes in and basically just shoots his own wife yeah, he deliberately shoots weird. her. I don't yeah. understand that. I think it's because he kind of guessed that she was into Ethan, maybe. So he just callously shot her. Can somebody... Why, why would you, or because he thought he was going to escape and he didn't want her to give away his secrets. Can somebody please explain to us why John Voight shoots his wife at the very end? Yeah, it's very strange. And then becomes the tunnel scene, which is just so fun. Like, they're both climbing. Like, first of all, again, I was saying today, to what end at this point, right? And this is always the case with Ethan. John Voight's on the roof of a train climbing towards a helicopter that John uh, Reno Reno is driving so we find out he's a baddie as well and then John Boyd's trying to climb and get him and Ethan just will never give up he's like a dog with the bone like Ethan's climbing after him doing anything to stop him getting on this helicopter like Ethan why? it's personal but also get off the roof of the train and like look after yourself you've you've proven he's the guilty one you can go back to the IMF with your hand held high your head held high because you've recorded it all the, the boss has seen it in, on his little watch screen or whatever. Come here, this is, that's not the Ethan Hunt style. No, that's not Ethan Hunt style. And if it would be, there'd be no point in watching these movies. And this whole scene is just so intensely enjoyable. Um, and it's just so fun the way that he, he manages to get the helicopter to come into the tunnel, which at that point I think this is just so dangerous and Ethan should, again shouldn't be allowed to rejoin the IMF because you could have killed the entire Eurostar full of people. By dragging a helicopter <laughs> yeah. in after them through a tunnel. <laughs> You're like right. right now, I'd be really pissed off if you dragged a helicopter. It could have been a lot worse. Yeah, it could have been a lot worse. It's ridiculous. Um, but it, it does have it does have uh, one of the few uh, Ethan Hunt one-liners because not really. He's not Tom Cruise isn't really a one-liner kind of guy. Um, but he's on the helicopter. He pulls out the chewing gum and he yells, "Red light! Green oh, yeah. light!" And jumps off. It's superb. Um, it's funny because when he tries uh, one-liners later on, they don't really work. There's a terrible one in Mission Impossible 3 where he scales a wall in the Vatican and then rolls over and turns to camera and says, Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall. Oh God, that's terrible. Why are you referencing a child's nursery rhyme in that? Um, and it's just so fun. And then kind of it all ends, of course, with the helicopter blade two millimetres from his jugular. Another quite iconic uh, yeah, shot. Yeah, that image is awesome. really iconic images. It's just funny because I was thinking as I was watching this, obviously it's fake, right, the train stuff, but I thought if, if Tom Cruise was making this now, you know he'd be actually doing that on the train because that's, that's the thing now. Like, Tom Cruise has to really do the stuff or people will lose interest to the point where I had a really dark thought after the last movie where I thought... At some point, we're going to see Tom Cruise die in one of these movies, and they're going to release it anyway, because it's getting more and more out of control, isn't it? The stunts. Like, he would be fully expected, like, right now, he would be expected to be on the top of our train. He could very well die. Yeah. Like, it's really lethal stuff that it's he's really doing. It's really dangerous. Um, and that's what adds to the whole thrill of it all. Would they release? I guess they would. I mean, Paul Walker died, and they released it. He didn't die 
He did, he died during it, he didn't he? He didn't die on the set, though. Oh, was it before? He, he didn't die on the set. He it's, died it's halfway through the movie. Though, I'm thinking Oliver Reed on the set of Gladiator. Actors have died during But not Crow, during a... Brandon Lee. Oh, yeah. But if Tom Cruise died falling off a train, they'd, they'd, still, leave, they'd leave that cut in as well. They'd still release they would, yeah. it. Yeah, they'd use that take. They'd use that take. Yeah. Like, they used the take of him breaking his ankle, didn't they, in the most recent movie? I don't know. I think they did. Did they? Yeah, just because why not, like... Um, well, and then at the end, let's wrap this up, we're dying. Please go back um, But thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed our bonus episode. Um, we just need to mention one more thing. I think Ethan should actually, at this point, have been kicked out of the IMF anyway, because it's outrageous. No, he should leave the IMF. And why is Ving they... Rhames reinstated, right? If Ving Rhames was disavowed, then stole from them... Why is he back? Why is he allowed to work for them anymore? Because he helped them capture the Noclus back. And also, he, when he saw that it was the Noclus that they were stealing, um, he wasn't comfortable with it. Yeah, but he still did it. Because he's a man of yeah, honour, Cathy. From the IMS point of view, grand, you weren't comfortable with it. No, 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 no but anyway. he only found out that's what he was doing after they'd stolen it, yeah, as but it he's, was Yeah, but that's like robbing a bank and saying, oh, sorry, I didn't realise that I was actually like no, stealing also, gold bars. I no, thought no, I was just stealing notes. Cathy, they pay service to this because Tom Cruise says to him at one point when he gives him the real Noclus after his lame little magic Oh, I love the magic trip. That was he, so fun. And he gives Luther the real one and he says... You're the only one I can trust because I know I know that if you knew what we were going after, you wouldn't have done it. Yeah, but my point is that's all fine, and we can attest to his character. But from the IMF's perspective, look, what's your beef with Luther? <laughs> no, right? I have no Let beef. Have I love job. him. I love that he's in every movie. I think he's amazing. You're better having him on your team than not. On your I mean, team. I want him on my team. That's for sure. But thanks for listening to this bonus episode, and um, we'll try and do more. Um, please go on and subscribe to us on iTunes if you haven't done already leave us a nice review and don't forget we're on Instagram Facebook and Twitter and we'll do some sort of fun shenanigans on Instagram stories for this episode and go watch Mission Impossible Fallout if you yeah. haven't already because it's yeah do what I, I did watch the first one then the sixth one don't quite bother doing what David which is going to watch all of what? them what are you talking yeah, about but if you want no. to go and listen to his review on Torn Stub do, okay, okay we are right there. in okay. no watch all, all the well. movies okay bye they're dead my team, my team is dead! Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revel Horwood, darling... We are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.